I'm Damian Lillard, and you're listening to From the Rose Garden on the Athletic Podcast Network. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about Dame's return to the lineup and what it means for CJ McCollum, Mario Hazonia's nice game, and a little bit of inside baseball with Jason Quick. Rip City! Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Rose Garden, your Portland Trailblazers podcast here on The Athletic. I am your host, Dave DeFour, joined as always by my man, Jason Quick. And Jason, this is the part where I normally have some banter about the weather or something like that, but <laughs> we're trying. We're now re-recording, so I'm not going to go through the motions on that one and, and fake it. I'm not into the fake stuff. Well, I appreciate that, David. Yeah. yeah, let's just get right to our hot blazer basketball. Hey, listen, you know what's real? Damian Lillard's back, and he looked okay. Yeah, he looked good, and that's it's really good news for the Blazers after missing six games. He came back last night uh, against Washington, and not only did he look normal, not hindered by his groin injury, but the team didn't have any problems kind of reacclimating himself. Uh, Dame to the lineup. Uh, I thought everything looked really smooth. It might not be the best opponent to judge it because Washington has literally the worst NBA defense in the NBA. So it's really hard to to make a lot of judgments. But I think just at first blush, you have to be pleased if you're a Blazer fan that Dame is back. He had all the same movements, didn't look lame in any of his moves or the way he moved. He played 30 some minutes. Uh, and then also, you know, CJ didn't look like he had problems having Dame run the offense after, after CJ ran it so brilliantly for those six games. Yeah. Uh, you've got a piece that, that just popped up on the athletic actually talking about just exactly that. Uh, something we talked about when Dame went down was needing to get more from CJ, needing CJ to elevate his game. And he did that while, while Dame was out. Your point is they need that for the rest of the year. If they want to get to the eighth seed, they're going to need it. And last night, you know, like you said, 22 points from Dame, 22 from CJ. Of course, you know, they didn't need to, they didn't need 30 apiece to, to beat the Wizards. Uh, and they got other contributions. Um, but it was good. I mean, five assists apiece, you know, uh, it, it was kind of a balanced attack. Well, here's what makes this a little bit newsworthy is that it's not me saying this. This was Terry Stott coming out and saying, we need to get that kind of CJ McCollum production while he's playing with Dame. And for those of you who have been following the Blazers hardcore and listen to Terry Stott's talk, he does not go out on a limb. He does not say things like this ever, ever. So this was really strong for Terry Stotts to say that CJ McCollum we saw for those six games. We need to find a way this year and next year to find a way to replicate that so he is able to do that while Dame is healthy because they need CJ to be more than just a scorer. They need him to have command of the offense and set people up and make plays and not just be kind of a a shooter and a scorer. So I thought it was really, really strong from Terry. And I think the fans appreciate when Terry's a little more forthcoming like that and 
and talks about not that it's uncomfortable, but it's getting into areas where, you know, he's kind of pushing his star co-star to, you know, we need more from you. And so the key thing is going to be how they make this happen. And, and Terry kind of gave one scenario that maybe he has to find a way to put the ball in CJ's hands more and have Dane play off the ball more than he has been uh, recently. For his part, Dame is like, I don't care. I'll be able to adjust. That's what I do. I, I am about making other people better. I know how to find myself and how to find uh, ways to get myself going. So Dame's not worried about him. CJ, on the other hand, is he, he's more difficult to crack and to get him to really kind of be open and honest about things. And <laughs> I tried really hard last night to get some insight from him. And he's basically just saying, look, I don't care if I score. I don't care if I get assists. I'm just about winning and I'm going to play the right way. You know, obviously it goes deeper than that. They need him to assume more of a commanding mindset. I think where he doesn't just play off of Dane. They need him to be kind of a force because that C.J. McCollum we saw for the, these last six games is arguably one of his best six-game stretches uh, in his seven years with Portland. Now, historically, he has done very well in the 29 games uh, that he has played where Lillard's been hurt. You know, he's always upped his scoring, but this time he he really we saw a real spike in his assist numbers, his rebound numbers, his efficiency numbers. And then Terry Stoss last night was also talking about how well CJ was a leader, how just how he conducted himself and directed the team. It was really kind of a, a powerful thing, and they want to see more of that. And I don't know that there's a you know hard and fast way to do that other than putting the ball in his hands more. But then you run into the problem of you know, that's when Dame's at his best and Dame is clearly the, the best player on the team. So uh, it's something that they have to figure out as an organization and as individual players. But uh, I think when you talk about player or problems that a franchise have, that's a pretty good problem to try have to try to figure out. Yeah, well, I mean, and another good problem to have is a, you know, a, a superstar that is your best player who is willing to do whatever to put his teammates in the in, in the best position for the team to succeed and Dame essentially saying, you know, if, if CJ is going to be one B to my one a, I have to acquiesce a little bit and I'm cool with that. And, and not to mention off the ball, he's a fantastic shooter. So it's not like he's any less dangerous. Yeah. And you know, that's the whole key to why this pairing has worked in Portland is that they're both fairly egoless and, unselfish and they root for each other there was talk at the beginning of the season that dame figured he would play more off the ball because that would help conserve his body a little more he wouldn't have to exert so much energy breaking down defenses and double teams and all that and he would get more open shots it hasn't really materialized but i think that's something uh that this team has to look at is is Carving out more sections of the game where Dame is not having to break down those double teams and fight through picks 
and all that and playing off the ball. I think it'll be beneficial from an energy standpoint. And I think his shooting percentage will go up. But the reason all this works is because you have two guys whose minds and motivations are in the right place. They want to win. They've already been paid. Uh, There's nothing that, you know, their motivations are pure. So uh, I think that's really rare in the NBA because we've seen it with other tandems where there's maybe a little bit of uh, friction or, you know, pull where one guy wants a little more than the other. But that's why this works important. And I think that's one reason why Neil Olshay is so reluctant to break these two up is because he knows what they have is special. And But I think it's, it's time that they evolve. There's one more iteration, I think, of this tandem, and that's to elevate CJ's game. How do you feel about the rest of the big four uh, with Carmelo and, and Hassan both, both having big games against the Wizards? The Wizards are sort of like, it's a cure for whatever's ailing you, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, Carmelo was was notable last night. I mean, he was just, his shot was on point, and, you know, he did it inside, he did it outside, and they were it was a really impactful 25 points. Hassan was very, very effective, but you look at Washington and their big men, they had nobody. I mean, Mo Wagner looks like a high schooler compared to to Hassan physically. So there was no question that they were going to have a, a mismatch there. And I, I thought they did a pretty good job of uh, exploiting that. I think Hassan wanted more of it. He kept motioning to Terry Stotts to feed him, you know, doing the, the James Harden feeding out of the, out of the bowl motion. But, uh, you know, yeah, it, it was, a. Uh, that was the type of result that the Blazers should get against the Washington Wizards. They shouldn't have to struggle. And, uh, you know, their personnel is, is much better than Washington's. And they, I like to call those taking care of business wins. You know, you're, you're clearly the better team. You don't dick around. You just go out, beat them, go home. And, and that's what we saw from Portland last night. So I think that's encouraging. And, you know, we talked last week that, this is when Portland needs, they need a bunch of taking care of business victories. These seven straight games against teams with losing records, they need those type of efforts. And they, they started out, we talked about it, and they went and, and lost to Atlanta. But the last two games at Orlando and then last night against Washington, they have taken care of business. Uh, but I, I think they got to run the rest of these games, Dave. I agree. I, I mean, we, we felt that they needed to go 7-0. and um, and dropping that first one was not great. Yeah. But, the, you know, they, at this point, they just can't lose uh, because, you know, the Pelicans are doing pretty well, even though, you know, they dropped a game to the Mavericks uh, and they lost to the Lakers. But uh, Memphis has bounced back after their injury struggles. And, and if you're going to catch them, you're going to have to win basketball games. It's not they're not going to fall into your lap. So, yeah. Um, let, let's talk about a, a little bit about the win in Orlando and not in particular, not really the, the game itself more um Mario Hazonia's performance because it's not very often a guy scores 10 points and has eight rebounds and then you wake up uh on the homepage of the athletic and there's a piece about him let's just be honest right yeah um and you know I I think a lot of people had high expectations well I had huge expectations of Hazonia when he came into the league 
you know, because I, I watched him in Europe before he came over. He failed to live up to those in Orlando and, and obviously in New York and wound up in Portland. And, and I think that people thought, again, it's team, it's team culture. You know, it's Dame culture. Will this guy turn it around? Certainly. Hazonia, he's you know, shown flashes and, and he does stuff and, and guys like him. Certainly, if he's going to pop, this is going to be the place. Uh, and that hasn't happened. It's been a rough season, and for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, I think in training camp, the team was really excited about Mario because, you know, the whole plan was to run him as point forward, where there would be spells where he'd be the point guard and he'd zip up the court in the open court and create things. Well, that never really happened because the injuries happened so quickly. You know, Zach Collins got hurt in the third game, and all of a sudden they really needed Mario to be playing some power forward. And and then Rodney Hood went down. And then, you know, next thing you know, Mario's playing even some center. So he got taken out of that kind of point forward role and position really early. And he needed to be plugged in at other areas. At the same time, he wasn't playing very well. He wasn't hitting his shots. Uh, he was constantly confused on defense. He was driving Stotts nuts uh, on the sidelines, just forgetting where to be, being late to switches and, and rotations. And so all this kind of was starting to snowball. And then in December, he hurt his back. And then right when he started coming back, he had a one of his best games at Utah and he rolled his ankle or the next game after that, he rolled his ankle. So it's just been like one thing after another. And as Mar Mario told me, it's like, I can't catch a break, but basically at, at the crux of it is no matter what his role has been or how much he's playing when he has played, he has not played well. And uh, I think that has really kind of, I don't know. It, it's just been the underlying thing. And I think Stotts is, you know, lost a little confidence in him. I mean, he got a bunch of DNPs, uh, and anytime he would play, it'd be at the end of a blowout game. So it was really notable in Orlando to see Mario again, kind of get that point forward role because Dame was out. And then, you know, part of this story too, is that Anthony Simons hasn't really been able to step up and, and be that reliable second point guard and as a result you know Stotts gave that in that role gave that role to Mario in that game and he was great he, he was really really good you know sometimes stats don't tell the entire story I mean people like you said look at 10 points eight rebounds I think he had four assists four assists yep that's not eye-popping but the way he ran the offense the and, and just the way the team played while he was doing that was really important. You know, the sad thing is, is the game after that, Dame returns. So there's not really going to be that huge role or opportunity for Mario to play 28, 29 minutes again. I think last night he played, I don't have the box score in front of me, but probably around 12 minutes. And he was okay during that. I think he had a three-pointer. He had a nice block shot on defense. but. You know, going forward, his role is probably going to be very minimal. You know, probably be around that 
12 to 15 minutes a game. But I think that's another thing that Stotts will have to look at it as well as getting CJ the ball in his hands more. Maybe they, to get those guys some rest, Dame and CJ, put the ball in Mario's hands a little bit more. But that's a really, it's a touchy situation because the games mean so much. And I, I don't know how much Terry wants to be kind of experimenting or starting something new with 19 games left with Mario doing the point forward thing. But for that little stretch there, he did uh, very well. And I think that kind of can give you some hope moving forward next year that, that when everyone's healthy and the, and the roles are clearly defined that Mario can, uh, can flourish in that role. And I thought one of the, the scenes that I like that Mario relayed to me uh, in Orlando was uh, around November. Um, they were in Chicago and he and Stotts had a, a meeting and Stotts said, do you know what your role is? And Mario said, he lied to him. He said, you know, I, I wanted to say all the right things. Yes, coach. I'm supposed to go in, rebound, bring energy, you know, play defense. And then a couple of days later, he runs into Stotts and goes, no, I don't know what the fuck my role is, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so that's been kind of the, that encapsulates what Mario's season has been. He's been trying to do and say the right things, but in reality, his mind has been kind of really messed up and he's, he's trying yeah. to find his way. How much of that do you think comes from the fact that, that he feels like he's been mislabeled to a certain degree? You know, like there, there are stories about him. I mean, you know, you don't you don't come from Europe and get to the NBA without some arrogance yeah. you know, as a basketball player. Like it's it's you have to have that. Um, and you definitely, you know, don't succeed at all uh, without it. Um, but but maybe, you know, from some of the stories that I'm sure we've all heard prior to this season, uh, you know, maybe he was trying to change that perception a little bit. He's been very open about about that reputation he said it's true in orlando he was he thought he was the man that they drafted him number five overall to be the man and he was kind of put off by the way the team handled him the way his uh, teammates there were conducted themselves as professionals he thought it was just kind of amateur hour in a way and then when he went to new york Everyone was a young player and nobody knew how to play. And that's why he was so anxious to get to Portland and looking forward to it is because he had a tremendous amount of respect for the players on the roster, you know, Dame, CJ. And he was, he, he was so uh, looking forward to learning and being taught how to play as a pro. And so, uh, he came here humbled, I think, and, and really open-minded. I, I still think he has a little bit of a distorted reality about how he has played this year because I kept coming back to him and saying, yeah, but Mario, you know, you didn't play very well when you did get a chance. And he would kind of look at me blank like, well, what the hell are you talking about? You know, he, he his version is more that his poor season has been because of injuries and uh, just never – not really playing the the position or the role that 
is best suited for him. You know, but that's that's common with a lot of players who have a real hard time of self-assessment, uh, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, you, know, you think? So, uh, <laughs> I have a theory. Yeah, on this. Oh, I I wonder how much of it is because his dog lives in Orlando. It might be. You know, he said that's very healing uh, for him to go back to his his permanent home, which he has kept in Orlando, and. He recharges and heals when he's with his dog, his German Shepherd, Rio. So uh, it might be. It might be, David. There you go. I mean, we're dog guys. We get it. Yeah. But I got to tell you, I I mean, Mario gets so much crap from fans in Portland. He's become kind of the new Myers Leonard, the the whipping boy. And he's really a likable kid. And I'm I'm really rooting for him. I, I... I want to see him do well because I, I do think he cares and it's, it's just, you can see it kind of eaten at him, but uh, he wants to do well and he, and he wants to do it here in Portland. All right. Uh, so our, our little segment here at the end of these shows, we, we've got all these questions because uh, Jason quick has a lot of fans. So, <laughs> which I, I mean, you know, it's amazing. I yeah. just don't know another writer uh, that covers basketball that that has the fans that you have. I, I think it's it's very endearing. Like Portland, like really loves you, and so uh, we've got all these questions. So we're gonna pepper them in, you know, for the rest of the season. Uh, this one is from Alex C. Tam, and uh, he's asking your your five most memorable features or recaps that you've ever written. Five might be a lot. Let's just say, like, give me like the your two favorite pieces that you've ever written or, or that you're most proud of even maybe you don't feel like it was your best work, but it was, you know, you know, one that always sticks out to me because of the, I had a, first of all, usually when I write something, I hate it. And I I think that's common with a lot of writers, but I'll turn it in and I'll be like, this isn't very good. I didn't, I didn't meet my expectations, blah, blah, blah. But this particular story, I was, incredibly proud of and it was really hard to do and it's it was the first first story the first part of a series i did on wes matthews and his uh his recovery from achilles uh, surgery and it was really a difficult story to to write there was so much there i had so much material i flew down to Los Angeles for his surgery. And I really got into the dynamic between Wes and his mother and the struggle of, you know, his mother is a very powerful woman or she has a real presence and she was a very dominating part of his life. And he needed her to quit being a coach and being kind of that, that person that pressed them and at this time, he needed her to be a mom and uh, to love. And it was tough for both of them because he had a lot of vulnerable moments where it was difficult for him to go to the bathroom, difficult for him to get dressed. And he felt stripped of all that manhood and stuff that makes West, West Matthews, West Matthews. And so anyways, I had all this great dynamic between mo- mother and son and also great scenes from the him being wheeled into the surgery and 
I wrestled with that story for days. And whenever I have a big story, it totally consumes me. Like I don't sleep at night. I'll wake up. My drives my wife crazy. I'll wake up at three in the morning thinking about the story and I'll get up and, and go to my study and jot down things and then try to get a few more hours of sleep and come back and, and write. And when I was done with that story, I was so incredibly proud of myself. I just, I just really liked that story. But another, uh, other stories, you know, the, the first story that I would say kind of put me on the map within, um, basketball circles was in the 2000 playoffs. Um, my, I, I worked for the Oregonian newspaper at the time and it looked like the Blazers and the Lakers were on a collision course, collision course for, uh, the Western Conference finals. So they sent me to do, uh, a page one feature on Shaquille O'Neal. And the Blazers were playing Utah, I believe, and the, the Lakers were playing Phoenix. And I got down to LA, told Shaq what I wanted to do. And he said, I won't, I won't talk to you until, until I know that we're playing Portland. So. I stayed with the Lakers uh, for the entire series between LA and, and Phoenix. And the whole time he called me Portland. All right, Portland, I'll talk to you when we're done. Once we finish these guys off. So I had nothing to do during all that time. I'd, you know, lay out in the sun in Phoenix. Uh, I'd go to all the games and just kind of observe him. And in the meantime, I went and got all of his albums and I listened to and wrote down all the lyrics of every song just to try to get some insight into him. And so when I did finally get that interview with him, I was really prepared and he was impressed. And I got a, a great interview and I was proud of the story I did. They ran it on A1 of the Oregonian. And I remember a couple of writers that I, I really, really respected. Tim Brown at the time covered the Lakers for the LA Times. and he was like, that was really good. You know, we've been covering him all year and we didn't even get that stuff from him. So it was a really good use of time, I think. And I, I think it, it always impresses players and particularly star players when you come to an interview prepared and also when you listen to them, when you just don't rattle off one question. Okay, here's my next question. You li really listen to them and have smart follow-ups. And I, Shaq and I, um, in that interview just had a, had a really good rapport. And I think he really respected the, the background work that I did in listening to his music, thinking about the, the lyrics he had. So yeah, I was proud of that one. It's amazing that when you treat people like people, um, they tend to treat you the same way. You know, that's my experience in life. Uh, okay. So my question, do you remember any of the lyrics? Oh, no. Man, I had that Shaq uh, I remember Diesel he talked uh, about, CD for some reason. He talked about uh, uh, Philip Harrison, his dad. It's, I can't remember. And then he talked about his grandma a lot. And I think that was ended up being the opening. Because I asked him my, my favorite question that I think I've told people on here that I always ask to kind of pry into guys is, when's the last time you cried? And I think he said... Uh, it was when his grandmother passed and, and got into why that was so important to him. But I don't remember any of the lyrics. I still have his CD 
I, I will not throw away those CDs. It's amazing. Just because, because I have that they bring back so many memories of that time and, and that story. That's I, it's such a good idea. But I, I haven't listened to them. I have not listened to them. <laughs> I like looking at the case just going, oh yeah, I remember that time when I, I hung out with the Lakers in Phoenix uh, for a whole series. Does, and Shaq remembers you, I'm, I'm assuming. I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. I don't think so. Well, we'll have to ask Shaq. We'll get him on. We'll, <laughs> hey, you yeah. remember Portland? The guy that followed <laughs> you around for a week? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I, I love that. That's that's such a good way to, to like get these guys to open up. Again, just treating them like people. It's not It's not that hard. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for, uh, this week's show. Uh, everybody go and, uh, you know, give us a good review, go to the athletic.com slash from the Rose garden. If you haven't already subscribed, you can subscribe there, get a discount and we'll be back next week with more from the Rose garden. Both things play hard. Both things play hard. God bless and good night.